Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 67 of the NXT Nightcap, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's developmental brand. I am your host and humble guide, Keela Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 118 of Wrestletopia continues. Happy Wednesday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as another busy week in the worlds of WWE and AEW continues. And last night was NXT 2.0 going down live from the WWE Performance Center in Orlando, Florida. And we are one week away from the first ever NXT spring break and going down live. On USA, we got five matches on tap, and on paper, the show looks pretty good. Now, in terms of storyline execution, things are very iffy, but I will say this was a much better NXT than the show we have been given over the past few weeks. I still got issues here and there, but I thought this was a much better effort from NXT 2.0 this week, because I've been on this show's ass since before Stand and Deliver in terms of illogical booking. We got warlocks burning rings and putting the ring on their fingers, pushing the NXT champion off a two-foot platform and having him fed to a flock of druids and just a lot of stuff that I have not dug. But I will get into what I thought was a lovely ladies' night edition of NXT. We had 20-plus women showcased in matches, backstage interviews, vignettes, as a way to forward the first ever NXT Women's Breakout Tournament going down in two weeks on USA. And the one thing I love about a tournament is we get to see some diamonds in the rough, some people that might be ahead of the game and we don't realize it just yet. So I cannot wait to see who is going to step up, show up, and show out via this tournament that gives me May Young Classic vibes from 2017 and 2018 as I really loved seeing the maturation of Bianca Belair, Io Shirai, Kyrie Sane, Shayna Baszler, Rhea Ripley, Mia Yim, Candice LeRae, just to name a few, that walked through those doors of Full Cell and got an NXT bag because of it, and ultimately a championship or two along the way as well. As we kick things off with Nikita Lyons versus Lash Legend in the redo to their first match a few weeks ago on 2.0. And I gotta say that Lash and Nikita have really nice chemistry together. When they lay in their shit, it's really good. It feels like a legitimate fight. It feels like a battle to see who's the best, who's truly the baddest on 2.0. And I love it. And it's really good stuff involving some nice ground and pound from Nikita and Lash, respectively. But then things fall apart when they try to run the ropes back and forth. And you see them not knowing how to run the ropes exactly. And it's a mess. And they miss their spots. And it's gnarly. Then Nikita Lyons takes a bap up on the floor and lands on her head. She gets back up and Nikita is knocked out with an elbow strike courtesy of Lash and knocks her off the apron and back on the floor again. Lash then sends her into the still steps. Things do get better once they start laying in their strikes and shots. Once again, at one point, Lash picks up Nikita for a powerbomb, but Nikita counters that into a hurricanrana and then lays her out with a spin kick to the chest for the win. When they're fighting... When they're trading fisticuffs, when they're trading kicks and strikes and big boots, it's great. I love the counter of Nikita refusing to get kicked in the face by Lash Legend grabbing that boot and going for a striker for own. I dug the ground and pound. I love the back and forth when they were fighting and scrapping. That was real. When they try to do the fundamentals, it feels a bit herky-jerky. And that is going to come down to more experience. Practice does not always make perfect because you tend to over-rehearse and everything is just too precise. When you truly become a complete performer, it becomes instinctual. You don't think, you just do. It's not practice. You just know 
what to do in the moment. You have a feel for your opponent and they will get there in time. You see the athleticism and the God-given gifts of Nikita and Lash on display. They've got it. They need more time. Yes, they're being Russia TV a wee bit too soon for me. They need to work house shows, preferably for the coconut circuit in Florida, but WWE does not think it's cost effective, which I understand. How about let them do dark matches on Raw or SmackDown to get some reps in in front of different audiences every week? They need the time to do that. Everybody's maturation process is a bit different. And you see the potential that's clearly there. Because when they're able to let loose and lay in their shit, it's really good. But there is still work to do in terms of the basic fundamentals of running the ropes and not losing your place and just forgetting what you're supposed to do next. But it's going to be a combination of getting more training in the ring and also getting that real life experience on the road outside of the PC most weeks. But overall, I enjoy Lash Legend versus Nikita Lyons. It exceeded expectations early on that it kind of fell apart, but they got it back on track towards the end. But they just need more time to really get their in-ring game together. And it will come with more experience on TV, most likely. And Natalia gets involved by a jumping Nikita Lyons from behind. And Lash Legend joins in on the beatdown until Corey Jade and her skateboard makes a save and that leads to a tag team match involving Lash Legend and Natalia versus Cora Jade and Nikita Lyons next week and that could be a lot of fun if the match is not overhearsed to death maybe Natty can say hey let's go with it let's go with the flow let's have some fun and let's just put on a show without thinking too much in our heads about the spots and the moves of it all next up is the strangest matchup I've seen in terms of maybe heel-heel dynamics on 2.0 to date as it was Tony D'Angelo versus Von Wagner. And this match was not very good. Von Wagner is a charisma vacuum, and I've tried for seven months, and it is not there yet. As for Tony D'Angelo, he's got something. He's got the look, the charisma, and the talent to be a true star. He's made a one-dimensional gangster gimmick feel 3D. And his calling card is is delivering suplexes. He delivers great suplexes and that will get him over as a babyface. It kind of toned down on that since his feud with the artist formerly known as Pete Dunne, now known as Butch on Friday Night Smackdown. But in this situation, he is the de facto babyface against Von Wagner and he's going to be throwing him around with some suplexes, which I appreciated. Now, at one point, Von Wagner did throw Tony D out of the ring and he landed awkwardly on the floor and that led to Legado de Fantasmas, Raul Mendoza and Cruz Arturo distracting the referee long enough for Santos Escobar to clip Tony D'Angelo in the leg with a tire iron to pay him back for what Tony and his Goombas did to Santos Escobar last week. Wagner delivers a big boot to D'Angelo after Tony was able to beat the 10 count to score the tainted victory as Legado tried to run away the Goombas from ringside. And this leads to a meeting of the two families on 2.0 as Tony D'Angelo invites Santos Escobar to sit down to talk business strategy and hopefully come to a truce regarding who runs the NXT territory on Tuesday nights. Next up is Nathan Frazier's in-ring debut, but it was not to be as Grayson Waller crashed a party and he pretty much dismissed Nathan Frazier as a nobody and a Willy Wonka lookalike. And we had Chase University represented courtesy of Andre Chase and Bodie Hayward, who is one of my favorite characters on 2.0. I adore him. And they called out Grayson Waller for crashing Nathan Frazier's in-ring debut on 2.0. And as Grayson Waller's talking shit, he is dropped 
with a top rope missile drop kick out of nowhere, courtesy of Nathan Frazier. Then he lays out Grayson Waller with a crazy tope on the outside that had height and distance, and I loved it. Nathan Frazier was great on NXT UK, and he was fantastic during his brief stint on AEW TV a couple of years ago. And I really hope that Nathan Frazier can make waves on 2.0. I love a kid. He came at the wrong time due to stand and deliver hype. I hope a kid comes back to 2.0 very soon. But Nathan Frazier on this show could be golden for the North American championship scene involving Cameron Grimes, current champion and future possible champs, Carmelo Hayes and Solo Sequoia in the months to come. But in the meantime, Frazier will face off against Grayson Waller during NXT spring break in next Tuesday, which should be a lot of fun if they're given time. Of course, next up is a really fun tag to match and possibly, probably most likely my favorite match from last night's show involving the artist formerly known as Casey Catazzaro, Katana Chance and Caden Carter versus Lisa Leon and Valentina Feroz. And I really enjoyed the work in this match. Both teams have the potential to be standouts in the women's tag team division, not only for NXT, but the main roster as well. I am blown away by Leon and Feroz's experience as far as they really click and gel as a tag team. The dancing is iffy for me, but once they get in the ring and put in that work, they are really good as a tag team. And last night is no exception as Caden Carter and Larissa Leon put on a show early on with some nice counter wrestling, reversals, and flashy offense that had me in awe. And Katana Chase just picked up the tempo once you got the hot tag and landed a nice reverse splash on you, Lisa, for a very close near fall. Eventually, Valentina Feroz got in there and she also showed out as Lisa picked her up and she press slammed Leon onto Carter for a close near fall. And as Carter was reaching over to make the hot tag to Katana Chance, she was nowhere to be found. So I'm assuming that Feroz pulled her from the apron to prevent the hot tag. And eventually Feroz gets the hot tag, goes for a moonsault on Carter, but nobody's there. Carter moves out the way and eventually Katana Chance gets back on the apron, gets the hot tag, and she's able to hit her assisted 450 splash on Valentina Feroz for the win. A very fun match. I love the tandem offense from both teams as Carter lifted up Katana Chance at a set time on Feroz early on. So I just really love the creativity of this match. Very fast-paced. And my favorite match of the night because I think these two teams can be cornerstones of the women's tag team division. Either one of these teams can be future champions. I personally prefer Caden Carter and Katana Chance due to their experience on NXT for years now. And Ulisa and Valentina are next up. They've got something. There is work to do still, but the fundamentals are sound. And every time they take flight, I am in awe. And the offense mostly is very crisp and smooth. And I love that for them. So here's hoping they continue to shine whenever they get television time on 2.0. Next up is a three-on-two mixed tag team match involving Legato de Fantasmas, Raul Mendoza, now known as Cruz del Toro, Joaquin Wilde, and Alexa Lopez versus... Fallon Henley and Josh Briggs as Brooks Jensen was attacked by Von Wagner backstage after he stared down Sophia Cromwell a little bit too much prior to the six-person mixed tag team match. And the match was fine for what it was as Legato basically dominated most of this matchup as they went after Josh Briggs, Electra Lopez, and Fallon Henley got into it 
at several points, and they brawled backstage as Briggs was left alone to fend off Legato to no avail. He had a few hope spots here and there, but the outcome was never in doubt as Legato hit the high-low on Briggs for the win. And I guess this was a babyface performance for them as if you with Tony D'Angelo and his Goombas moving forward. The fans love them, not so much Briggs, Jensen, and Henley, but we'll see how it goes as now they move on to Von Wagner and Sophia Cromwell, which should be something to say the least. Next up is Trick Williams versus Ola Sequoia. And this match was fine for what it was. Trick has a great look. He's a fantastic talker on the mic. Still needs some work. He did deliver a decent Mr. Dropkick. Worked over the arm of Solo as well, who had the rock tape to protect himself from further injury due to his match a couple of weeks ago against Cameron Grimes for the North America Championship. But he does fire up with a Samoan drop and the splash from the top rope to Trick Williams for the win. And after the match is over, Cameron Grimes confronts Carmelo Hayes and Solo Sequoia ahead of their Triple Threat match next Tuesday for the NXT North American Championship. And as Carmelo Hayes tries to get the jump on Solo, Solo super kicks the shit out of Cameron Grimes. And the announcers wonder, is this deliberate? Was this accidental? Regardless, it was a message sent to say he was going to leave spring break in the new North American champion. And the fans are rocking with young baby Oose right now. I'm here for it. But I also love Carmelo Hayes to become a two-time champ very soon as well. Next up is the Viking Raiders who hopped through the NXT portal to face Idris Sanofe and Malik Blade. And this match was a nice showcase for the Viking Raiders who I sincerely miss as the War Raiders from their days on the OG NXT about two or three years ago. They were great. And now they're still good, but the aura is a bit off for me. And they got a good reaction from the NXT crowd as... You just know if it had a nice spot jumping on the back of Eric, but it was no avail as he got kneed in the face, was practically knocked out, barely kicked out to make it to his corner to tag in Malik Blade, who put up a good effort against Ivar, and Ivar caught him in midair. He was going for an overhead throw, but Idris Anofe made the save by delivering a crossbody onto Ivar and helping Malik Blade get the near fall. But it was not meant to be as Eric and Ivar dropped poor Malik Blade with a double power bomb for the win. And this was a very dominant victory for the Viking Raiders. They shook hands with the baby faces once the match was over. And next week will be the Viking Raiders versus the Creed Brothers per the request of Roderick Strong, and it should be noted that Malcolm Bivens gave Roddy the stank eye throughout this entire setup for this match backstage earlier in the show. So this match should be a big hoss battle, and I would not be stunned to see Brutus and Ivar trade hops in the ring because we know both men can take flight when need be. Next up is Roxanne Perez versus NXT Women's Champion Mandy Rose. And this match was fine. Roxanne Perez has a world of potential. She's so good and she's better than practically half of the roster on this show, which is really impressive for her level of experience. Mandy Rose is the NXT Women's Champion. She's been a good champion for nearly six months now, but I think she's hit her ceiling as a performer 
once again. She had a rough outing against Dakota Kai a couple of weeks ago for the NXT Women's Championship. And last night, it was very rough early on as well. Things did get better as the match went on. But Roxanne was the star of this match, in my estimation, as she bit the finger of Mandy Rose and went after those fingernails by slamming them into the steel steps. And Mandy says, oh, my finger, oh, my nails. She was very horrified at this attack. As we go to a picture-in-picture commercial break, we come back and Mandy delivers a back body drop to Roxanne in the ring. But both ladies are trading near falls and roll-ups at various points. Eventually, Roxanne goes to the cold red misses, and she avoids the bicycle knee from Mandy Rose. She goes for a roll up, very close near fall, but she gets dropped with the bicycle knee from Mandy Rose for the win. And after the match is over, Wendy Chu comes through with more super soakers and she drops a net on Toxic Attraction on the main stage. And her alongside Roxanne grabs a silly string and they spray Toxic Attraction. What in the Nickelodeon bullshit is this? This ain't it. This is just sophomoric hijinks that don't have any stakes attached to it. I love Wendy Chu. I think she's a great performer. She makes any gimmick work from Karen Q to Mei Ying, the thousand-year-old lady, to now the halftime sleeper Wendy Chu. She's good. But the hijinks are a bit too sophomoric for me, and I am guess this is leading to maybe Dakota Kai getting back in the foe to team up with Wendy Chu and Roxanne Perez versus Toxic Attraction at some point. I do not know. But here's hoping that Wendy's able to make a splash for the NXT Women's Championship very soon, as I am thinking that's where this feud is going between Mandy Rose and Wendy Chu in the weeks to come. And now it is time for our main event, featuring Joe Gacy and his flock of druids at ringside. And he talks about acceptance and exclusivity and his vision for NXT coming to fruition, how he's going to mold and shape this show and his image by becoming the new NXT champion next Tuesday at spring breaking. But apparently Braun Breaker is injured right now due to being pushed off the platform courtesy of Joe Gacy last week and getting fed to a flock of druids in the ultimate act of cannibalism allegedly. But due to this injury, he's not going to be able to make the show and therefore he should be crowned the new NXT champion by default. But surprisingly enough, Rick Steiner comes out there to speak on behalf of his son and says his son is more than ready to compete next Tuesday. And Braun comes out there and tries to beat up all the Druids. But as he goes after the Druids in the ring, Joe Gacy hits him with that lariat. And from there, the Druids hold Rick Steiner back. And the Druids magically reassemble at ringside. And the NXT Championship that Breaker placed on the ground as he head to the ring, is being handed off by each druid. And the last druid presents the championship to Joe Gacy. He holds it high in the air over a fallen Braun Breaker. As the next, he goes off the air about 10.06 p.m. Eastern. And I was underwhelmed by the end of this show for two weeks in a row now. Poor Braun Breaker is beat down by Joe Gacy. His dad tries to make the save for him. He gets caught up as well. It's just a mess. At least we have some exclusivity when it comes to the Druids being male and female. Good for us to have that proper representation in 2022 when it comes to evildoers in cloaks and shit. But this is just extra for me. Joe Gacy's trying to make it work. I do not care. He's still Kevin Owens light to me. That ain't changing anytime soon. Maybe this matchup between Gacy and Breaker for the NXT Championship will absolutely supersede expectations. Maybe the crap we've seen on TV leading to the match will lead to a very good match. My worry is that the NXT crowd 
might show their ass a bit and say, let's go Gacy, Breaker sucks. Let's go Gacy, Breaker sucks. Breaker's not my champion. Will it get that bad next week for Breaker to overcome not only bad booking and shit creative, but a push and pull from the fans who were down with him months ago? We'll see. But this was not the best way to say, hey, I cannot wait to see spring break in next week on USA. All in all, I thought this was a better show, but this was WWE developmental at its best and worst. I loved aspects of this show, and there were some things that still bother me in terms of character development and greenness being very apparent on TV. There is still work to do that needs to happen behind the scenes, that there needs to be a reinstitution of the coconut circuit to give people more reps on the road. That is the only way stars are going to get better long term. There's only so much you can do at the PC. And I go back to an interview that Paul Levesque did recently about the revamped developmental process. There is now this six month rule saying, well, if you're not where you're supposed to be in six months, maybe this isn't right for you. And I do agree to a point, but you can't say in six months, you must be a wrestler. No, you must figure out if this is what you really want to do. Is there any growth? Is there any sense of improvement? And I do see that with Lash Legend. I do see that with Nikita Lyons alongside Tiffany Stratton, Lucy Leon, and Valentina Feroz. You see that on display. I don't see it so much in Von Wagner. I see it in Tony D'Angelo. Trick Williams is so-so, but he's got the gift of gab to get him through right now. So there is work to do that should be done preferably off camera, but that's not the game these days. And I just feel as if, if you know, deep down in your soul, this person's got something, don't set them up for failure. Don't put them out there as an experiment to see how developmental should work. Workshop, refine, perfect behind the scenes. Let the instincts kick in eventually and we'll be good to go. But I don't like the timeline of you must be at this level at this exact place and time. Everyone's maturation process is different. I will absolutely say the basic fundamentals of being a wrestler should be down packed in a year. But I am not going to say you must be ready for TV in three months. Hell no to that because you are basically sabotaging one's growth before they even get out of the gate. TV is not going to make you better faster. It does not work for everybody. Everybody cannot be a bond breaker. I keep saying that. That is a unicorn that comes through every 10 to 15 years. Some people are fast learners and I love that. Some are not and that's okay. That's what development is for. That's what the coconut circuit was for before you even thought about an in-ring debut. Now you rush them on TV and hope for the best. And in some ways, you set them up for the okie doke and that is never a good thing. And that is the one thing I wish this show would tighten up. You got NXT level up for that if you want to go there, which is fine. But there is a difference between trying to do that on Peacock and trying to do the exact same thing on national television. There is limits to this. And I hope that WWE reigns that in in the weeks to come as we focus in on next week's spring break, and which will be a combination of experienced stars versus up and coming performers. And that is going to be a lot of fun to watch because normally these shows exceed expectations. I expect spring break in to be a very good show. The NXT title match is a question mark due to presentation thus far, but I expect most of this card to over deliver if they're given time. And most importantly, if they don't 
over rehearse the mash to death because you tend to forget shit when you workshop it to death, which is not necessarily a good thing sometimes, but we'll see how the show plays out next Tuesday on USA. And on that note, this wraps up episode number 67 of the NXT Nightcap, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's developmental brand. I hope you enjoyed it as always. You can follow me on social media at Later Wrestling X on Twitter and our Instagram at Receptopia. They can find me tweeting and gramming about these podcast shows that drop in the semi-daily recapping Monday Night Raw, NXT 2.0, AEW Dynamite, Friday Night Smackdown on Fox, and AEW Rampage on TNT. You know what to do. Search Receptopia and follow me on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Citra Radio, TuneIn plus Amazon Alexa, and Spotify. I'll be back tomorrow morning with episode number 61 of The Dynamite Effect, recapping the highs and lows from AEW Dynamite on TBS. Until then, enjoy your hump day. Stay safe out there and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care.